Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The celebration of Obamacare leaves out some realities that people are either unaware of or have forgotten. And we thought we'd bring in the smartest guy around healthcare that we know, Craig Gottwalls. Craig, the healthcare guru, we call him, attorney at law and benefit consultant, benefit revolution. I'm, you're probably still hungover from the party, Craig, celebrating the passage of Obamacare. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, obviously I'm hungover, but at least I made it into the show. You know, you're you're. Your uh, valued partner there, he's he's just he's so hungover, he turned into a Tiger Woods fanboy, and he's just following <laughs> following Tiger around all day. Yeah, Joe is at the Masters, a dream of his for as long as I've known him, and I've known him over half his life, um, uh, uh, to go to the Masters, and he's there with his dad and brother, which sounds pretty cool, and I'm sure we'll hear about it on uh, Monday, or hopefully he's going to yeah. try to call in, but they don't allow phones there, which is pretty cool. I think that's a good thing. I know. I wish more events didn't allow cell phones. I think that should become a common thing. That'd be awesome. Oh, totally. Totally. And, and it's cool. I mean, he, COVID postponed him twice on this deal, right? So yeah. it really is something long awaited for him. <laughs> so the celebration of the passage of Obamacare. Um, yeah. First of all, where are we with the popularity of Obamacare as far as you know? It's pretty popular now, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I think it is. Uh, yeah, that's that's one I don't have at my fingertips, Jack. But I think I think if you ask the general public, they uh, probably more than fifty percent at this point approve of Obamacare and you know what they know of as Obamacare. Right. They, yeah, they generally conflate it as uh, more people got coverage. You know, more people got coverage, and so they just think of it as a good thing. They don't realize you know what they're paying for it, and uh, they don't realize exactly what it's done to healthcare. So I, you know, overall, it's kind of like. Kind of like what happened with Medicare and Medicaid, you know, people. That was a big contentious thing back in the in the '60s, and 
Uh, now they're cemented in, and the idea yeah. of pulling away Medicare or Medicaid is is something that you can't even mention. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's very troubling to me that how really expensive programs that don't do what they were intended to do or or doing, you know, a whole bunch of things that they weren't supposed to do, um, uh, or just do it so unwell, become just be, do it so incredibly poorly, but right? they become ingrained into our system and everything like that, and they don't go away. Run through some of the things that Obamacare was supposed to do, and then the reality of how it turned out, because I was looking over your list yeah. that you sent me, and a lot of them, including number one, are shocking. Well, yeah, and it's, it's important to, you know, this is 12 years ago now, so it's important to reset. 12 years Obama, ago. 12 years ago, I know. Isn't that, that's unbelievable, but... Um, Obamacare was intended to do two things. One, reduce the cost of health care, and two, make uh, reduce the number of uninsured, you know, maybe even eliminate the number of uninsured in America, right? Because we have all these safety nets. The idea was that we're going to be able to reduce greatly or eliminate the uninsured and reduce the cost of health care. So the number one promise that I thought was so interesting, and it was it was political, Politico or PolitiFacts, lie of the year yep. in 2012. The lie of the was, year was if you like your health care, you can keep it. That Obama said that over and over and over again. That was that was, that might have been the biggest selling point. Hey, if you don't want to do this, nothing's going to change for you. Everything's going to be fine. If you like your health care, you can keep it. How did that turn out? Well, the latest data we have on that is 2019, so it's three years old still. But as of 2019, 87% of workers lost that health care that they had that they liked. 87%. So practically everybody. Yeah, I, I would I would be shocked if it's not over 90% now, but I just couldn't find anything recently on it. So, yeah, basically everybody's lost the health care that they were promised they could keep. Am I wrong? My memory is that my deductibles were never even close to this before Obamacare came along. Ah, deductibles. Yeah. So, you know, promise promise number two, right? Or promise number, yeah, I guess promise number two would have been the cost of health care will go down. And so I even I even linked it here because you can you can Google this and find it anywhere. Uh, oh, Barack Obama said repeatedly, once we pass this into law, the cost of health care is going to go down by two thousand five hundred dollars per family. So. When we're looking at healthcare, we got to look at a minimum of two things on cost. One is premium. So what have premiums done? Well, the average premium in 2009, before the passage of Obamacare, was $13,375. The average premium for a family today is $24,000. That's a 79% increase. Wow. Now, that's just premium, Jack. You started with deductibles, as we know. Those are very important, too, because that's what you pay when you show up at the office. So the average deductible in 2009 was just over $1,000. Today, that's only gone up 68% to $1,700 per person. Not That one's not – so that's per person, which is important because the yeah. other one is per family. Yeah. <laughs> that is that, – yeah, that's absolutely incredible because I, I lived my life, like most people, where you didn't hardly pay that much attention to your deductible. Well, now it's a very, very big deal. I, unless you have a pretty bad health situation, you're way into the year before it starts covering anything. That's right. That's right. So it, it, on promise number one, costs are going to go down. We're going to rein in the cost of health care. It's just really important for people to understand. Twelve years in, uh, premiums are up 80 percent. Deductibles are up 70 percent. How? And uh, now, you're, you're an expert yeah. on the, the dollars and cents of this and the math on this, and you're really, really good at it. You're, you're, you know, your thing is not figuring out the political wins. But I just kind of throw in, how in the hell is this popular? I mean, how did it get more popular as health care got more expensive? Yeah, that needs to be studied by poli-sci people all around the world. Uh, what the hell? 
Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of it is just the cult of the cult of personality and the popularity yeah. of President Obama. Right. You know, they just they just they don't people. This thing was, you know, another thing we didn't even talk about prior to this, but this thing was twenty five hundred pages as a statute. It's now over forty thousand pages of regulations. Whoa, forty thousand pages of regulations! Wow. So you know, there's something like less than one percent of us in the legal community that have read the statute. None of us, zero of us, have read all the regulations because you can't. So they just don't know what's in it. They don't know what it's done. They don't know all of the, the the circumstances. So you couldn't keep your plan. Plans have darn near doubled in cost. But the other, you know, and to give it its fair due. Um, it did cover more people. Now, I think I think it's arguable that it, it's underperformed in that category. But the numbers on that are: uh, in 2009, when we passed this into law, we had 50 million uninsured, and as of today, the best estimates are that in the United States we have 31 million uninsured, and that most experts agree that 20 to 24 million people have do now have coverage due to Obamacare. But it's also important to remember a bunch of those people. Maybe as many as half were funneled into Medicaid because that was cheaper. And Medicaid is the coverage we've talked about here on the show before where university studies have shown that having Medicaid might be worse than having no coverage at all because it's so few doctors and the care is so poor in that system overall. So if you're going to give Obamacare any credit at all, you could say, well, it it almost cut the number of uninsured in half. It cut it by 40 percent. Okay, how about wait times for the average person out there? Yeah, wait times are a little harder to get at because the studies are done not as frequently. But uh, the best analysis on this I've seen just looked at the difference from 2014 to 2017, which was kind of the the prime hit of Obamacare. And that was a pretty significant increase because wait times in the number of days went up 30 percent from 18 days to get a primary care visit in 2014 to 24 days in 2017. More importantly, on that topic, like I feel that. like I feel like I've noticed yeah. that IRL also in my real life, where I've got to make an appointment for me or my kids, and it's like shocking to me when when it's going to be. Well, and I didn't. It used to be, you know, fairly quick, and now it's like what? Not till ne- a different month. Well, and then that's that's a, another good point, though. I'm, I just looked at primary care visits for this to keep it simple. So primary care visits are up at least thirty but, but percent. But if you want to talk about specialists or mental health experts. You could be three to six months out if you can even find an expert that'll, for example, treat certain mental health uh, issues for children. Some of those people just don't exist because because the way this system works, the reimbursements within uh, the government care programs are so incredibly low that people opt out of those fields or they just say, oh, nope, I, I no longer do insurance for that kind of care. So I know you got in. I know you got into how in because I I want to get to this before we run out of time. I know you got into how inflation, uh, you know, the current eight nine percent or whatever is going to affect all this. Well, that's a frightening thing because over the last fifteen to seventeen years, healthcare has run at three times the rate of typical inflation. So you know, when we've had these two percent inflation years, healthcare has been running at six. I fear that when now that we're looking at eight percent inflation annually, I, I, I shudder to think at what this is going to do to healthcare. Now, I have not seen anything coming out at twenty four percent, you know, year over year premium increases. Oh. But it's not going to surprise me if we see the ten to twenty percent increases oh. this for twenty twenty three because oh. it's just so much. There's so much more pressure on healthcare than there is on general goods and all that stuff that's that's. Co- 
causing inflation in the regular economy is just going to be exacerbated in healthcare with the technology we rely on from overseas, pay raises, etc. Man, healthcare has gotten expensive and complicated. And uh, before we jump into that, how about uh, the horror out of Ukraine? You following this very closely? Yeah, I am, Jack. It's uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to believe, but it it I, I just think in the you know, as, as, a, as a guy who doesn't follow that stuff and follows healthcare and, and the way people have made decisions around uh, economics within a country, it just, it just really shows that, you know, human nature doesn't change. Governments don't change. The, what, what, you know, megalomaniacs out there, countries do things in their own self-interest and uh, power given to these, to these leaders in, in unchecked ways, it, it results in horrors, whether you're talking about war or healthcare or, uh, you know, inflation or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm just, I, the way I roll, Jack, I got the debt clock up on my desktop all the time. I just take a look at it. Oof. Right now we're at $506,000 of unfunded liabilities per citizen. So if each of us cuts a check for 506,000 us will be solvent, but it's not so simple because last year, 2021, 57% of citizens didn't pay federal taxes. Right. So if you break that down to ta- we each owe a mildow. Each taxpayer owes a mildow to make this country solvent again. It's just it's never going to happen. And the the problem becomes when how how much longer can we stave off this collapse? And I, I don't I don't know the answer. I mean I don't think anybody knows. nobody knows. But there is a limit. There is a limit. Oh, there's if, a limit. If something can't go on, it will stop. I don't remember what principle that is who said it, but it is true. If something can't continue, and you can't continue to outspend what you make forever, so if something can't go on, it will stop. And it's just a matter of when. And uh, yeah. we'll see. And speaking of giving yeah. more power, uh, you have been saying for years on the show, before, when they were arguing over whether Obamacare should be a thing, that this was going to lead us toward some sort of government takeover of healthcare, like they have in Great Britain, which I looked up the headline. I, I knew I had seen a couple of weeks ago. Private healthcare boom in Great Britain adds to fear of two-tier system in the UK because so many people are dissatisfied with the government healthcare that if you can afford it at all, you pay for the private stuff. Are we headed towards some sort of private or uh, government takeover of healthcare? Do you still think that's the map we're on? Yeah, you know I. I've said publicly on your show and other places for I think four or five years now that I I, I do think we will be fully socialized uh, by probably 2028 is the year because just because of the way elections work and cycles go I just think that's probably about the right time that this will happen. Um, you know, some of my some of my colleagues and it would point out that we're already socialized. You know, that was another another fact I wanted to share with you on Obamacare when Obamacare passed in 2029. 53% of U.S. healthcare costs were borne by taxpayers. And, and people think, oh, that's high. But you got to remember, it's Medicare plus Medicaid plus the VA plus state and local and federal workers. And so when you cobbled all that together, it was 53%. So that was 12 years ago. Today, it's 71% in blue states and 67% federally. So you look at that and say, well, gee, aren't we already socialized? Then? Wow, so we're only arguing over the last 30%. Yeah, the last third, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you could make an argument that we are socialized. Now, I I have firmly thought that Obamacare is going to lead to people talk about Medicare for all, but that's the old Mott and Bailey thing where they talk about that, but then they'll settle for something less mm-hmm. further back. And I think what, what this will end up being is Medicaid for all. And I know healthcare geeks don't really know the difference. The difference is 
Medicare is what we all pay into for ourselves as we age. That's the that's the stuff we get when we're over 65. So it's it's typically better. It's typically a, a much better reimbursement for the provider, meaning a lot more doctors will take Medicare and it's and it's an effective system for the most part. I mean, you'll you'll talk to hospitals and doctors and say, "Oh yeah, we can make money on Medicare all day long." But the problem is Medicare costs significantly more than Medicaid, more than double. Um, now, some of that's due to age, but some of it's also just due to reimbursement. So when they talk about Medicare for all, what they'll ultimately do is slide back into something like what's happened with Obamacare, and it'll default into be like, like a, sort of a Medicaid for all. Well, that Medicaid, again, now we're talking about the system that reimburses so little that it, it might even be better to not have it at all. And I, I just think that's where this is headed. But I do have some good news, Jack. I do have some good news. I, I think in light of the fact that we've gone over $30 trillion in debt and that we're now at more than a million dollars of unfunded liability for taxpayer. I just, I think the economic collapse, I think the, the inflation and the, the serious trouble that we're going to be in for with food shortages, I think that could change the, the intestinal fortitude of the country. I, I think that we could see people say, no, 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 no. We're not taking on the additional $32 trillion that it would cost to provide universal health care nationwide. Ho- I hope you're right. We're about out of time. I want to make sure you pimp. What do you want people to follow you? Your website, Twitter, where do you want people to follow you? Oh, yeah, benefit-revolution.com. Benefit-revolution is my website. You can hit me on Twitter. At, I think it's Benny Revolution on Twitter, or just Google my name. It's cool. Craig Gottwalls is what you Google. He's the smartest guy out there on this stuff. Thanks for coming on. Craig Gottwalls. Recently on the ANG One More Thing podcast. Jack, this is roughly the equivalent of carrying around 224 slices of bacon in your body. Well, that's wait, the wait a minute. Regular <laughs> what bacon weighs measurement that we all use. The Armstrong and Getty. One More Thing podcast. What? Hear it on the iHeart app or wherever you listen to podcasts.